0: or when you're on holiday, this, it might seem like a bit of an odd question, but do you take a mug with you? If you're going away on holiday, do you take your favorite mug with you? You can see a few people being elbowed, being like, that's you. (laughs) Everyone else is going, a favorite mug. I don't have a favorite mug. I bet you do, actually. I bet you do. I bet when you go to your drawer in your house or your cupboard cupboard, or your uh, drinking vessel area and you go to choose one, I bet you do a quick scan to see if your favorite one's there. And you kind of just maybe subconsciously just reach for it. I, I have a favorite mug. This, this is my favourite mug, and I'm, normally I bring my second favourite mug with me if I travel because it's too precious to take anywhere, but you are honoured enough to see this one. But I haven't just decided this is my favourite mug that I like at home. I've decided that I quite like my mug, and I travel with it wherever I go. If I'm going on holiday to the islands, I, I go there. If I'm going up to see my family, I take it with me there. If I'm going to speak at a camp, I take it with me there i definitely take number two mug there. Couldn't take the best one. But I've taken it one step further, and I've actually got reasons for why this is my favourite mug. I mean, it fits the perfect amount of liquid in it. Not too much, but not too little. The handle is perfectly shaped that I can fit three fingers in here and hold it in a way that my fingers don't touch the mug when I'm doing it. It's flat on the bottom and not sloped in any way up, so it's nice and stable wherever I put it. I just don't understand those people who have those giant soup bowls with handles. Are you one of those? Or those really tall ones that are like basically a triangle? Like if I even looked at it, it would fall over. (laughs) This is the perfect mug. You know, the others, they get the job done, and they're good. You know, they're mugs. But But this is, I mean, this is the epitome of perfection. I mean, there are good designs and there are good plans for mugs, but there are great ones as well. Now, over this time of sitting back and relaxing and reflecting and thinking, maybe you've made some New Year's resolutions. Or maybe you don't like to think of them as New Year's resolutions or as much as goals that if I get to will find the motivation to do at the end of the year, I'll call them my New Year's resolutions. And I wonder if as you've reflected and maybe made some goals or started thinking about what 2020 might look like this year, whether you have made some good plans. As I've been considering the plans that I've been making, I've come to realize that there are good plans And then there are God's plans. And they're not always the same thing. And it's really easy to go, this is a good plan. This must be of God. It makes sense. It'll get the job done. But really, there's a God way to do it. And God's calling us to something different. Just the way you pick out a a good mug It's really just not quite the same as the great design, as the God design. Many of you will know the story of Gideon. And Gideon was just doing his job in the Bible when an angel turns up where he is at. And Gideon freaks out. So much so that he thinks he's gone a little bit crazy. And he goes to the angel, all right, you stay there. And if you're real, if I'm not crazy, I'll go get an offering and come back and you'll still be here. And the angel goes, seems fair, like I know I'm real. And so Gideon heads off and he prepares this offering. All the time I'm thinking Gideon's probably going, I've lost it. There's an angel over there and I'm preparing an offering for it. Okay. But Gideon comes back. And the angel is still there. And it says when Gideon realized that the angel was real, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Oh, no. God is real. He's coming to talk to me. What has he got in store? Once Gideon has realized that the angel is real and that God is calling him to lead an army against the Midianites, he begins to put in place some things, some plans to go. And the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power and he blew the trumpet, summoning all the people to follow him. And Gideon said, If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised will you just prove it to me? And as the people are beginning to gather, as the army is beginning to gather, Gideon gets out a big blanket outside of his tent and he lays it on the ground and he says, all right, God, if this is really your plan that I'm going to lead these people, then when I wake up in the morning, the blanket will be dry and everything else will be wet. And God's like, okay. In the morning, Gideon gets up. And just as he'd asked, it's dry. And everything else is wet. And then Gideon goes, okay. But just, just to check. Just to check that this is actually your plan. I'm going to do it again. But this time I want the blanket to be wet. And everything else to be dry. Huh? And he goes to bed. And the morning he gets up. And the blanket is so wet, he has to wring it out. And the ground around it is all dry. And Gideon goes, okay, this must be God's plan. That's good. Now, Gideon looked at all the people that had been assembled. All the people had come and said, we're in for this fight. And he looked out at this huge crowd, 32,000 people. That's a lot of people in one place. 32,000 people. And I can imagine Gideon standing there going, okay, this is God's plan. Yep, this is good. But I'm also really glad that there are 32,000 people here because that way we're covered. That way I know that the people will still have this. And if you know the story of Gideon, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of, the, all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they have saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave the mountain and go home. So 22,000 people went home, leaving just 10,000 people who were willing to fight. You can see Gideon. Okay, alright, so I, I, I know it's God's plan, but two-thirds of my number's just left. Yeah, we'll still be fine, 10,000, we've, we've got this, we've got God's plan, but this is still good, we've still got the numbers that we need, we'll, yeah, we'll make it work. But then the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with the mouths in the stream and only 300 men drank with their hands and the rest got and drank with their mouths. See, it matters what you drink from. Sorry, no, side point. With these 300 men I will rescue you and give you victory over all the Midianites. Send all the others home. So he collected the provisions and they went and sent the others home. But kept 300 men with him. As I was reading this, the 300 that he was left with, that was God's plan to midian to man we would look at it and go 300 that's impossible that's not a good plan 32,000 people that's a good plan they're willing they're there let's go with that but really god had another plan what amazes me is when i read this uh they're so still... where sorry You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they have saved themselves by their own strength. They were still going to have the victory. The 32,000 were still going to win that fight. But God said, My plan is for just 300. The outcome might still be the same, but who gets the glory? We can look at it and go, both outcomes will be good. Let's take the safe option and go with 32,000. But God's going, hey, I've got 300 for you and look who's gonna get the glory for it. If I let you go with your plans, you'll say, look at me. Here I am. Look what I've done. And God's saying, but I'm giving you 300. This is my plan. And he will get all the glory for it. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. And that night the Lord said, get up and go down to the Midianite camp for I have given you victory over them. But Gideon was still nervous. He was still a little bit anxious because in his plans, 300 was not enough. And God, knowing his heart, knowing where he was at, he said, Gideon, look, if you're nervous, take Purah with you sneak over the hill and just have a listen to what they're saying and you'll be greatly encouraged to go. And Gideon went, yep, I am nervous. Yep, I am going to do that actually. Thank you very much. And he climbs over the hill and he overhears two men talking and one's had a dream that a loaf of bread has rolled down the hill, hit this tent and it's collapsed. And the other man says, can only mean one thing. That God has given victory to Gideon, son of Joash, the the Israelite. And the Midianites will fall this day. And Gideon went, excellent. It is still God's plan. And they went on to defeat the Midianites. They went back and brought the whole army in and the victory was theirs. I can see this tension of Gideon. Each time his army was shrunk down, going, my good plan of summoning 32,000 people, I thought that was a great idea. And then trusting God with his plan and his design. He had a word from God, and yet God instructed him not just to do it with his idea, with his people, but with God's plan in mind. This good plan and this God plan wasn't looking so good anymore with just 300 people. And he was beginning to question what was going on, but God stepped in and showed him. Listening and doing God's plan is not just because it's what we should do, but it's an active choice of obedience. Gideon at any point could have still walked away. But he chose to trust God's voice and God's plan in it. And Gideon's leadership, leadership is obedience to what God has designed, to God's plan. He chose to lay aside what he thought was right and instead follow what God had set in place. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that He has prepared in advance for us to do. It's the God plans that are good, not just our good plans. A few years ago here at Life Church, many of you were here and we, we had these yes cards. And at the beginning of the year, we came and we laid them down the front here, giving our yes back to God, saying no matter what it looks like, whatever you have for me, the good, the bad, the ugly, the hard, the challenging, the exciting. I'm going to give my yes to you in advance. I'm saying yes to all that you have for me. In obedience, I'll lay it down. And it was an incredible season, an incredible time since then as people have continued to give their Yes, to God's plans. We make plans, but God also has things in store for us. To many of us, the terms good and God seem like they are the one and the same. We believe that if it's in line with God's will, then it must. If it's good, then it must be in line with God's will. Generosity, humility, justice, they're good. And selfishness, arrogance, and cruelty, they're bad. The distinction seems pretty clear. But is that all there is to it? Consider King Solomon. At the beginning of his reign, he passionately prayed in 1 Kings, Give to your servant an understanding heart that I may discern between what is good and evil. Now Solomon was known for his great wisdom. Solomon, people came from all over the world to hear King Solomon And yet he prayed to God, God, would you give me a discerning heart so I know what is good and what is not? And when I think about him praying that, I go, maybe it's not always so obvious. Maybe it's not always so apparent. In 1 Kings it says this, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and right. And wrong that I may distinguish between good and evil, there is a way that seems right, it seems good, seems wise, seems, seems beneficial. Yet the warning is clear: what seems good may not actually always be what it prepared, what it, what it seems to be, and allowing God to have His way, allowing God to speak into our plans, saying hey, maybe you need to cut back on this a little bit. Maybe you need to step out in this area. Maybe you need to look in that direction. Maybe you need to just climb over that hill and have a listen. Maybe you need to just get some people around you who can give you some good advice because our plans don't always work out the way we think they are. I was reading this week an old missions newsletter that someone found around the office. And on the back was a story of someone who'd come out from Christchurch, out from our church, and many of you will know her, and we'd gone to South America to plant a children's home. And the story really stood out to me as I was considering this idea of what is good and what is God. And so I'd love to read you this, uh, this report back. It's from 1992, which was a while ago now, I guess. But I thought the point still stands. They wrote, On Saturday morning, we went to see a piece of land that meets our criteria for a children's home in every way and more. The owners are Christians and showed us around with great pleasure. The place is ideal in every way, except that we don't have the word of the Lord. We're also in a difficult situation because the land agent wanted approximately $35,000. But the wife called me aside and asked me the price the land agent had said. She said her husband hadn't given a price and that he'd sell it for $25,000, but not to tell the land agent. Anna writes, I promised the owner yes or no, a yes or no answer by the end of the month. And since God hadn't confirmed yes, and we don't have the peace, the answer has to be No. And as I read that, I went, what? It meets your criteria in every way. It's $10,000 cheaper than what you've been told the price is. And the answer has to be no? Because they didn't have a word from the Lord. As I read it, I went, what a... Incredible, incredible people that would lay down what looks good in their minds, that would achieve their goal in every way and lay it aside for what God had planned for them. Later in the report, it says how they later found somewhere even better than they had thought possible and that they had the peace of God and that is where they ended up. And I went, wow, God, you are so faithful. They were doing what they could do. They were looking around for a place of land to buy. They were looking and beginning to make plans. But in the midst of making plans, they said, God, what are your plans? What do you have designed for us? What is your intent? And then they would lay it down for what he would say. So what is God's design for you? What is God's design, God's plan for us? The gospel doesn't just start at the cross with Christ. Understanding the good news starts by understanding God's original design, his dream and his intent, why he created mankind. The story begins of a God who deliberately designed Mankind to have a personal relationship with Him. And all through creation, in the account in Genesis, we see that God incrementally spoke and He created with the power of His words. And then it came to people. And He didn't just look at people and as He had with all creation and said, oh, it's good. He didn't just speak and we were created, but God stooped down stepped down into his own creation. And he began to mold and craft us, create us, and then he gave us the breath of life. And he looked at mankind and he went, this is very good. This is very good. I don't know if you can see, there's a fly hanging around. See, we were created in the image of God. We are God's plan. With dignity, honor, respect. You're crafted with a soul that thinks and feels and dreams and creates. We have the capacity to love, to cry, to dance, to sing, to build. God's design shows us that we're not an accident. We were made with a plan in mind. We were made in the very image of God. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Man was created to walk in relationship with God. For relationship with God. So when we explore the gospel, when we read through our Bible, what is God up to? What is God's plan? He's still b- building the dream, bringing man, bringing us back to a place of his original intent of a family relationship with him. We can create our plans. And it's good to create our plans. But let's invite God into those. And say, God, this is what I've got coming up this year. Is this what your heart would call us to? Is this what you've designed us to? Maybe is this something I need to let go of? Maybe something I need to pull back on, step out in. And there are moments in the year that we get to stop and reflect and perhaps reset some of our mindsets, our goals, and consider where we would like to be or who we would like to be. And let's ask God who He would like us to be this year. Maybe sitting here today and looking at what is ahead and feeling great about the good decisions, the choices, the moments that are coming ahead of you this year. Perhaps like Gideon, you have heard the voice of God and have begun to set in motion. You have called the people in. You've set in place some of the things that you will feel will help lead you to the place that God has called you to. Just as Gideon began to assemble the group of 32,000 people, he's going, God's called me to take the Midianites, so I've begun to assemble But as he did that, he sought God and God told him, hey, you've got too many. Hey, here's a refocus. Hey, let's do it in a way that'll bring glory to me. We're both working for the same outcome, but let's work on how we're gonna get there. With the band, come and join me back on stage. And maybe all your plans, maybe your things are looking great. Maybe they are looking good. And in no way am I saying that your good plans are wrong. I'm not saying scrap everything, change it all. But I encourage you to go, God, what's your design? What's your plan for me this year? Choose the God plan that he's laid out for you. And like Gideon, maybe keep checking in with God. Is this really your plan? The second time Gideon laid out the blanket. He said, God, don't be angry with me. Don't be annoyed with me. I'm just gonna do this one more time. And I wonder if maybe we just need to check in with God and go, God, this is really what you want, isn't it? God, this is really what you're calling. This isn't just my ideas or my plans or my ambition or my pride getting in the way. God, this is really who you have called me to be, isn't it? And some people here are hearing that God has a plan for us. Maybe He has a plan for you and you're going, I've never heard God's plan for my life. I've never heard Him speak to me. I've asked Him to show Himself in this way and that way and I just don't seem to get the answer. And I'm just making my plans, but I want God's plan for my life. can I encourage you to talk to someone? Maybe after the service, come see our prayer ministry team. Seek someone else's help and go, God, would you just speak to me? Keep asking, keep going back to God. Keep seeking out His plan and His design for you. But also in your own time, keep seeking God, keep asking God, keep requesting of Him. Lead me, guide me, fill me. I give you my yes. I give it to the one who creates and has plans for me. John 10.10 says this. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Jesus came that you might have life and have it to the full. That is God's plan.